Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. entering the vicinity of an area adjacent to a location. The kind of place where there might be a monster, or some kind of weird mirror. These are just examples. It could also be something much better. Prepare to enter. Flyover Ministry. (sighs) (gasps) Huge gasp of air. What was that? (laughs) Man, Dan just took his dear sweet time going through that little monologue. Jordan, it's good to see you as we get rolling here on the month of November. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, as this is being edited, I'm probably in a deer stand as I'm listening to this, just reviewing the episode. Are you much of a deer hunter? What? That soon? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Like this comes out on Wednesday and on the weekend, it's deer opener here in Minnesota. Do you guys do much deer hunting in Michigan? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, okay. A holiday, almost not quite as much as Halloween, because the schools get out half a day early. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a half day, but for yeah, deer season, like our council meeting got changed because we probably won't have guys there, even though it's two days, or it's it's the night before deer season opener, oh, yeah. so people have to get out to their camps and whatnot. So yeah, you gotta you gotta prep your guns, you gotta get your beef jerky all warmed up. I gotta make sure don't forget your hand warmers. Because yeah. there, there's snow on the ground here in Minnesota as we're recording this. It snowed last night. You're getting snow today. Supposedly. So, yeah, so, so hypothetically. But it's Michigan. You guys are going to get hit. Oh, man. So let me tell you a story here for the top that'll kind of segue into the topic that we're talking about this month. Um, we do a, a community picnic with our county's sheriff department at one of our local schools. They pull together a bunch of area churches to do a variety of things. We bring a handful of games, like carnival games and whatnot. It's a lot of fun. We hand out a ton of candy. Um, That's basically what the churches do. Um, The local Lions Club brings out like uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and and all sorts of stuff. And it's, it's a lot of fun, and it happens before one of the... Well, this year it was a volleyball game. Sometimes it's before a football game. But one of the churches that was interacting during this community event was the church uh, of the uh, Unitarians. And a handful of our people from our church interacting with them, conversing with them. I was conversing with them, very friendly people. And some of our people came to me after the fact that, so Unitarians, like, what's their deal? What do they believe? And I said, do you want the long answer? Or do you want the short answer? Well, the short answer. Said, what do they believe? Everything. Everything? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the question. Uh, but we are returning back in all of this to uh, Kingdom of the Cults a little bit. Uh, as our primary source is we look at cults in our communities within uh, smaller churches. Um, you mentioned, Jordan, before we hit record, that there is a church in Marquette. Mm-hmm. 
here, and I'm using the term church loosely as just like a, a gathering. Yeah. Uh, there is a a gathering here locally as well. Um, and I don't know why Underwood has one, but Fergus Falls does not. Like you would think that it would be in a larger population center, but sure. it's not. It's just in this little town. It's kind of a bedroom community for Fergus Falls, but yeah. Jordan, what has been your interaction with the the Unitarian Church? Very minimal. I I mean, I don't recall personally having too much interaction with them. I know they're around. Um, I know that some of their beliefs, um, so I've been exposed that way. But yeah, they're it's it's a really kind of a weird animal and as we go through this series you're gonna notice that we might be kind of like going all over the place because this this really is kind of like nailing jello to a wall and not the jigglers like the regular full hydrated jello so mm. it's it's tough <laughs> the um, to, to land on something here but um but when i was looking into this as of this is a, the the facts are a little bit dated at this point because there have been big swings and we're talking like twenty some years since this came out. But um, at that time, twenty years ago, uh, there was a study that was done about religious beliefs of all these different people, and um, it was shown that the the number of people who claimed to be uh, univer- Unitarian Universalists were much higher than like the actual registered roles of the group. And that number was saying that there would probably be more uh, Unitarian Universalists in America than Muslims. So mm. it's, it's not a small thing. It's, it's not super known, but it's not terribly small. And I think part of the reason why it's not so known is because uh, not until somewhat recently have they incorporated any kind of like, evangelism mindset so that's yeah part of it we're going to point you back again to the the main source that we used for this walter martin's book kingdom of the cults as we mentioned before and he had mentioned that it does seem like it was a dormant belief system in the united states and just around the world period with not much going on but it is becoming more of a prevalent mindset not even if you are a member of that church but just generally speaking in culture because like there's a lot with with what's going on with israel and palestine right now about you know don't we all just worship one god can't we all just get along why can't like why all of these differences um i mean people have been putting coexist bumper stickers on their car for decades but here you see more of the prevalence in our communities, which is why we want to talk about this and following kind of the same format that we did with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, we are going to talk about today how it started. So um, feel free. I know some people listen to this at like times one and a half times two or whatever speed you're going through. If this gets too much, you have the luxury because, you know, you get what you paid for here. Uh, you get to go back and restart and feel free to just take this slow because I will acknowledge that it's confusing even for me. And, you know, <laughs> I was helping pull this together and like, okay, I think I understand the gist of it. But Jordan is right. This is because they believe a little bit of everything. It's difficult to be able to clearly define and yeah. acknowledge. And I think even some of that's 
visible in its history. So as mm. we kind of get through the start of it, you'll be able to pick up threads of this as we as we go back. So to begin our tale, um, we go back roughly to the time that we celebrate too um, of the Reformation. And as it so happens, it is Reformation Day as we're recording this. So happy Reformation Day uh, to you, Dan. We may or to may not well. have listened to the Reformation Poco this morning. So um, oh, bulls <laughs> and all that stuff. I I did listen to Lutheran Satire's Reformation Piggybackers on the way to work today. So. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Unapologetically Lutheran. Okay, uh, and we're already off track. So we go to the 1500s, and as Luther is going through this, this time in the church, pointing out, like, look, I think we've strayed from what the Bible tells us because the Bible just wasn't accessible to the main, to main people. Um, At that time, there's also this movement that starts that is anti-Trinitarian, which basically lives up to what the name is. There's this group of people that started to say, you know what? Nowhere in scripture do we find the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And so they come out and they say, we we believe the Bible. And it's interesting to see how much of the history comes back to scripture, like as their foundation. And to the point that even out of that movement was kind of the first apologetics of the, the soundness of scripture itself. So they were mm-hmm. a Christian group. They were claiming to follow Christ. They were claiming to seek through scriptures and having scriptures authoritative, but they were rejecting the concept of the Trinity as something that was man-made. So that is uh, where things really begin to start. And it's really important to note that, that, the, and this is specifically the um, Unitarians, okay? So right. this group, then the Unitarian Church comes out of this group that is anti-Trinitarian. Um, and it, it was also kind of interesting is this, this happens in, at two kind of simultaneously times. So one is happening in, in mainland um, Europe, right, in the mid-1500s. And I'm not going to say the guy's name because I probably would butcher it and I'm not going to remember it. And that's not the important part of the story. But he starts it over in, in Europe. And then he's there. He actually gets put to death for his heretical views. Um, but the movement is started. And shortly after his death, another person in England starts up the same thing, totally independent. He's not aware of this guy's uh, in Europe's um, writings and stuff, but he, he encounters it later. He's like, oh, yeah, this guys believe in it so we have europe starting uh with this and then this is also starting in england and those are the two main priory movements of the um unitarians and you think about the the unity within the godhead mm. kind of and how we remember what part of the universal uni- unitarians this is so they're there saying that god is one there is no trinity um, still trying to follow scripture and stuff like that. Um, then we fast forward uh, oh, a couple hundred fifty years or so. And Can we pause here for a second, Jordan? Yeah. Just to clarify, are they wrong regarding the use of the word Trinity in the Bible? They are not wrong that the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. But and I I will confess I have not gone to some of their original writings to see how they would disprove. All the things like when Jesus is baptized, we have the voice of God, we have the appearance of the Holy Spirit, and there's Jesus. 
three separate things. I don't know if they would say that Jesus is not God, if they would go that far, um, or if it's just like modalism or what they would what they would go to. They, I would say that they, from what I've seen and read, they would view uh, and question Jesus' deity as, they would acknowledge him as the son of God, but not as God. So they would acknowledge very much kind of like the Mormons almost, where it's, he is the son of God, biologically speaking, but they would question his deity because, you know, very much like um, they would claim that the word Trinity isn't used, that Jesus never claimed to be God, which he did a lot in his ministry, right? Even at the very beginning of his ministry, we would point to and say, you know, when, when the man is lowered down from the roof and the Pharisees, everyone's wondering if Jesus is going to heal this guy on the Sabbath, Jesus says, which is easier, right? To forgive this man's sins or to say, rise up, take up your mat and walk and go home. And, but, but to prove that the son of man does have the authority to forgive sins, right? And right there, he acknowledges his deity. And you kind of wonder how they would tackle John chapter one in all of this, because, you know, we, we would acknowledge, and I, I want to point you here too, and we'll link this in the show notes as well. Mike, Mike Winger, again, we're using a lot of the same sources, uh, but they're excellent sources. Uh, we'll comment uh he commented about the fact that a lot of them will acknowledge that god is all powerful that he is all present but the word omniscient and omnipotent is not anywhere in scripture either but we do see scripture passages that teach us about those doctrines so that is where we come with our doctrine of the trinity to say that yes the word trinity is not used but we take what scripture teaches us and are able to extrapolate something into this doctrine of what we know to be true about God. Because I mean, even professionally, Jordan, youth ministry is not mentioned in the Bible either. Yeah. There's a lot of things not mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, Potlucks. Mm -hmm. Right. So you see kind of where we've formed the church and like, well, is it exactly prescribed? Well, no, but you can take a lot of the principles from the Bible and apply them and say, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Anyway, we're getting into next week's topic about what they believe, <laughs> but yeah. uh, sorry for interrupting. Pick Good it up. Break. We are talking about two separate groups in Europe, one in mainland Europe, one in England, both yes. leading to what we know as the group today. And to make things more fun, we mm. now get to, like I said, advancing to about the 1825s. Now we see that getting established in America. And so that was the founding of the American Unitarian Association. So um, it officially became an organization in the United States at the time. At this point, the, I would probably say, degradation of the organization um, <laughs> really starts going off the rail. So uh, there's a guy, Lloyd F. Dean, um, and he writes that the early 19th century transcendentalism was pivotal. And he says that Unitarianism passed from the status of heresy to that of a clearly non-Christian philosophy. And he cites Ralph Waldo Emerson as a particular contributor for this. So um, Emerson, American writer, poet, um, he starts to like incorporate some of these things in his ideology. And so uh, Emerson 
like he considers nature to be the oversoul of which man mm-hmm. is a part. So nature kind of becomes God. And we start seeing uh, this this kind of spiritual, I don't want to say mysticism, but it's it's like naturalism and, and all these things coming in. And, and what that leads then mm-hmm. to is that since we are a part of nature and stuff, we become the authority to ourselves and no longer is scripture the foundational point. So where we start as a group saying like we want to find the truth in scripture now we are like after 25 years of being founded in america getting to a point where like no we are establishing what we think is true based off our experience with this world of nature of science of different things like that and reason um our reasoning becomes paramount to figuring out what is true so by the 1850s mm-hmm. then so in those 25 years the Unitarian movement shifts from being just anti-Trinitarian, but still trying to follow scripture to now becoming um, pluralism. So now all of the religions of the world have merits and have standing. So when we talked about you trying to nail Jello to the wall here, you can start to see where this is becoming a problem. So when you start to say all religions are true, and, and and you even like we hear that so often today like there's there's shades of of truth in each religion and all these different religions are still leading to the same place like the buddhist god is just a different flavor a different reflection or facet of the christian god and stuff like that so we see the implications all around us but it's just officially adopted in this church movement yeah it's a heresy yeah. You can tell it's a heresy because of the way it is. That's handy. Have you ever read anything by Ralph Waldo Emerson? Uh I'm sure there's some stuff. He's like the he's the nature guy, isn't he? Like Frost yeah. and the Yeah. I've I've read some of his stuff for school things. Not for I, pleasure reading, but Yeah. It's I I tried and everyone's oh you gotta read this like his one who reads and like the the poetry and the imagery he uses it's great and I I could not I I couldn't stomach it if you yeah. want to read a good book about nature read books about Dick Prenicky boldly journeying journeying into the Alaskan wilderness to see if he has got enough grit to survive that and he did what a man ugh. There you go. But here you've got, you know, the this incredible shift now as we look at the Unitarians to include all of the world religions, and it leads to eventually, I'm surprised it took this long, but in 1948, the Universalists redefine what it means to be saved, and they go and say, well, if all religions are the same, uh, and if everyone is welcome, well, then there must really truly be not just one way to get to there there is one way and it's anyway we're all heading to the same place and doesn't that just make you feel good yeah and i i want to point out just in case people didn't catch it this is where the amoebic blob expands once again because in 1948 <laughs> what dan said was the universalists so now we're having the other group before we were talking all about the unitarians and mm. so there's a side group that's a universalist, and they're always they they've been ones that are kind of thinking that um, we would use the term universalism today uh, as we refer to like a group that has a theology that everybody's going to be saved. Okay, so no one is going to end up in hell. 
think Rob Bell, Love Wins. Uh, mm. Think maybe ELCA Lutheran Church, kind of. I mean, I think even on their church website, they had kind of basically promoted that that ideology. So in that sense, you have no hell. Um, Jesus is just blowing smoke when he's talking on the you know Sermon on the Mount about judgment, um, different things like that. Holiness of God's brought into question. So there's there's challenges within that. Um, so that's the universalist then, and they in 1948 then, as Dan said, said you know what. It's not just that everyone's going to be saved, but that there's there's just really one religion, and like we're all different parts of it. So, it's it's kind of you know you keep on drawing the circle, trying to expand so you're so inclusive, and then when you include everybody, um, well you know maybe I'll quote syndrome on this: when everybody's super, nobody is right. Oh, and man. so like when you remove all these boundaries and and say like theology thoughts principles don't matter it's all one it just becomes kind of a muddled mess so in and then 1948 was the universalists so then 1961 these groups that are like existing kind of alongside each other in this world are looking at each other like hey so um all religions are true right and we're saying that there's just one world religion, so we're kind of the same thing. Why don't we unite our Unitarian Universalisms into Unitarian Universalists? And so they did. And in 1961, then, they officially combined to present a new movement, uh, Unitarian Universalists. Woo-hoo. Yeah. And it, the group is just kind of not changed too much since then it's just kind of adapted whatever the culture has seen as important and said oh yeah absolutely and they've just made a little bit more of a clear pronouncement on what they believe and yeah of course we accept you and yes that's true and absolutely why not and let me just say here before we get too much further i am proud of you look at you with the references pulling out an incredibles reference Woo-hoo. that is something that i've actually watched good flick yeah, it was a great one, actually. It was incredible. Aha. Now, was that, remind me, that was just Disney, right? Or was that Pixar? Pixar. That was not Pixar. Not happy, Bob. What's not that? Happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, that's something that we quote a lot at our house, even though we've only, the kids have only seen it like once, but solid, <laughs> solid message in there. Anywho, um, yeah, and, and like you said, it doesn't change too much. But the question is, when you already accept everything, how can you change? Like, because you've basically had, you at this point, you have no parameters. You've got nothing to really stand on other than just like someone says, hey, I think this is true. Sure, yeah. Um, and and at, at some point, my question is kind of like, what's the point? Mm. You know, like if 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 there's all these people that are like, there's one religion, everyone's going to end up in heaven anyway. And it doesn't matter anything about what we do or anything. Why would I gather with you? Uh, take up my time. Why would I give to you? Um, I just, I don't understand it, but there's people that do. And that's why they yeah. exist. So, well, and that's the sort of attitude that people have regarding the Christian church in general as well. Like, why would I bother? If all of this is really not going to matter, right? That's that's kind of the sobering reality of where we're at with when it comes to spirituality in in our country. Mm-hmm. Why why does this matter if we're all just kind of going to 
doesn't really matter to me. And, and they are convinced that whatever they do, so long as they try to be a good person, so long as they are able to stand on their morals, like, I don't think God is going to fault me for that. I okay. did the best I can, and what else can anyone else do? Um, that's very much the mentality that we struggle with uh, when people address our church uh, as Christians and our gathering together and why we would say that Christianity is exclusive and the Bible is to be taken seriously. So kind of the question that we are going to be grappling with this month as well is how do we address kind of the wishy-washy, I don't even want to use the term theology, but uh, how do we deal... Yeah, thank you. They're, they're general principles, uh, as vague and as uh, ambiguous as they are. How do you address that while remaining clear that, yes, Christianity is exclusive, there's only one way to heaven, but that doesn't mean that, you know, <laughs> it's exclusive, but it's also open to everyone, mm -hmm. right, with, with the gospel. The gospel extends to all. Yeah. And yet there's only one way to heaven. So tune in a couple times from now as we talk about conflicts with Christianity and bridges between the groups. And mm. if you want us to hear us try to express what these principles and beliefs are, tune in next week as we cover that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this is hard to outline, harder to present. <laughs> And I'm imagining even harder to understand. So our hearts go out to you as you try to muddle through this. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, what a comfort it is to know that the reality is that we serve an unchanging God who is immutable and is true and has revealed himself to us and that we have something to stand on. Um, when you look at things that miss that, you re realize what a blessing it is. And so I pray that, that encourages you. And uh, with that authority then of God's word and his spirit, may you go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.